Hey there, you're listening to Chase Stories Chats with Marcelino Perez, a series where I sit down with friends and talk about their life stories and journeys. We dive into their passions and how they got to where they are now, discussing the good, the bad, and the funny all along the way. Everyone has an important story to share, and there are valuable lessons we can take away from each one. Welcome back, everybody, to another Chase Stories chat. Today, I am joined by my friend, Marcos Amaral. Marcos, thank you for joining me today. Hey. All the way from EPA, um, my hometown, where I w- <laughs> I'm right, not there right now, in, on, on the East Coast. But, you know, Marcos is holding, holding it down for me over there. Rogue Runners. Rogue Runners. Oh, we're going to be talking all about the Rogue Runners in a sec. As it is tradition here, Marcos, um, we always start off with the cheers. So I told you beforehand, bring your beverage of choice. What you got? Some Some coffee. coffee. I like it. All right. Let me uh, crack this one open. We're three hours ahead. So, you know, it's acceptable for me to start drinking. Absolutely. Cheers. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to chat with you today. Marcos and I know each other, um, I think originally through soccer and through our family soccer team, Apostol. Shout out to them. Um, <laughs> so that's originally how we met. Um, him and his brother, Benny, played on the team. And so we were all on the same team, became family friends. He's been hanging out with us. And then from there, we've kind of uh, started our own relationship, hanging out, you know, talking about um, ideas in terms of businesses and what we want to do with our lives and that sort of stuff, which has been really cool to kind of get to know you on a more personal level um, and to go over to your house and play darts all the time now. Always vlog. <laughs> Not good to times. mention, I good am. times keep rolling. <laughs> For reals. Not, I will say, though, I will preface it with I am scared of Marcos's dog, Gaucho. <laughs> he bit me once, but we're, we're cool now. You know, it, we had to yeah. be, but but we but we uh we sorted it out. <laughs> yeah, he's uh very protective, but you know he's the biggest sweetheart. Once you get to break him down. Yeah, uh, Marcos, um, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You know, your background, where you're from, as well as you know what you do now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, born and raised in East Palo Alto, uh, first generation American. I'm the youngest of three, uh, three men in our house, uh, parents migrated up north, you know, from Jalisco, Mexico for a better future. Uh, and think we're just trying to continue their legacy and, uh, and build on, uh, build on that just yeah, like any sure. Hispanic parents would for their kids. Yeah, man. Tell me a little bit about growing up in East Palo Alto. Like I grew up for a decent amount in EPA, but I was kind of moving back and forth between like Sunnyvale and Mountain View. My family kind of moved a lot growing up. But like obviously, we always came back to EPA because that's where all the family is. Um, it's cheaper. Go- it's oh, cheaper. It was yeah, it's cheaper. I mean, now it's insane <laughs> how expensive it is over there. Um, yeah. You want to talk a little bit about you know maybe sort of growing up in East Palo Alto and then how it's changed over the years because there's a, a huge difference from when we, we you know we were younger um, to how it is now. Absolutely. I mean. Growing up in EPA, I, I really can't attest too much to it because my parents always 
put me in sports, you know, whether it was uh, for our, for our uh, club soccer. I played for Palo Alto growing up. Uh, we were really never at home, and that never gave us a chance to be on, hang out on the streets or make friends with our local neighbors. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, sorry, the airplane's going right over. <laughs> but- <laughs> Uh, apart from that, we also joined an after-school program called EPAT, which stands for East Palo Tennyson Tutoring, mm-hmm. and that's a local nonprofit that helps kids uh, in East Palo Alto get one-on-one tutoring for uh, Stanford students, and then use tennis as a, you know, sport that they chose. Yeah. Uh, so growing in, EP- in EPA, you know, we were I was a part of the Tinsley program, and. Um, I never really experienced the school system here. I always heard about it and how mm-hmm. poor it was, mismanaged, and that's kind of still true to this day. Yeah. Uh, so, growing up in the PA, you just had a stigma, you know, oh, it's the hood, it's the ghetto, it's the very, very bad neighborhood that you don't want to be associated with. Yeah. Um, that's really all I can attest for because that, I mean, other than that, I grew up on Menlo Park, Palo Alto, Stanford soils. Yeah, Boy. yeah. Did, you know, because, you know, I kind of, I mean, I have a similar experience as you where, you know, live, I lived in East Palo Alto, but didn't really go to schools in East Palo Alto. And I didn't have that experience either. Mm-hmm. Did you feel um, like you had to sort of act a certain way? when you were outside, like in these, like you said, you did the Pinsley program, which, you know, you're in a different school. Um, and, you know, you were, you played soccer in these, uh, like in Palo Alto in terms of like your club team. Did you ever feel like you had to act a certain way there? And then when you're home, you know, around people from East Palo Alto, you acted a different way. Like you were kind of playing two parts. Not, not really, because again, when we weren't playing soccer or we weren't at EPAT, we were, you know, we were either sleeping or in bed or going to school. You know, we were just always pretty busy. Yeah. So always being so occupied with soccer, EPAT, and school, mm-hmm. uh, you just picked up the man- different mannerisms, you know, proper yeah. manners. Uh, and so it was really until mid-high school, around sophomore, junior years, that I really became more associated with uh people from East Palo Alto, East Menlo Park. Yes. And realize, wow, their manners are completely off. I mean, hardworking people, smart people, street smart, common sense, all there. Just the way they converse with uh, adults or superiors was not how I was used to it. So yeah, uh, that's really, that came late for me. Mm-hmm. I picked up on that late, or I, I was able to pick up on that late, just on on making new mem- new friends, from, yeah, sure. uh, with people from EPA. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, sorry, I get need to do something real quick because it seems like someone opened up the door back here. I'm with the uh, okay. with family in the background, so let me close that door real quick. No worries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And the rats. <laughs> Get them out real quick. The rug rats. 
Your boy was about to bring out the chancla. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my little brothers, and he enjoys playing jokes. And hey, remember, uh, this is being recorded, and that's uh, child abuse. That, no, it's not. Not my <laughs> brother. It's not my. It's not my child. <laughs> Believe me, so a Karen will be out there and find you, and, and lock you up. Karen's are out there. They are. They are everywhere. That's sure. <laughs> Marcelino exposed gets the chunk on his little brother. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so let's talk about how much it's changed over the years, East Palo Alto, from having that sort of negative stigma. You know, it's the hood; it's dangerous over there, gang violence. Um, to now, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I think it's just like the area that we live in, Silicon Valley, everything's changing, everything's kind of growing. Uh, everyone wants to be here in the mecca of, of technology. Yeah. So I say the valley of, of opportunity and, and technology. Uh, East Palto was really the last place to be, um, to be seen as, a, as valuable uh, uh, territory or property. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when Facebook came in, and then Amazon uh, soon after, it's when it really spiked and you, you could see the crime really completely vanish. I mean, it was, you used to hear gunshots. I remember hearing gunshots growing up. And it's like, oh, it's just a gunshot. Like gunshots were just whatever. And yeah. now I remember a couple of years ago, there wasn't a single murder. It took, it was like almost East Palo went about a year and a half to two without a murder, a homicide, and that's just, you know, being gentrified out by Facebook employees, Google, Apple, Stanford University, Amazon right down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a good thing? I don't know. You know, it's yeah. I, I mean, obviously, no one likes crime, but when when you grew up in such a nice neighborhood, or not, you know, when you, I wasn't into all that street stuff. I would say um, it's sad that you see these single home family, single family homes being occupied by like five families, yeah. cars everywhere. People don't know where to do with the trash. It's it's a mess. I mean, that's the only downside of East Paul to being gentrified out is that you have four to six families living in these single family homes, basically living on top of each other while rents are going up, and you know, majority. Hispanics, immigrants, uh, blacks, uh, Polynesians who are making them just above minimum wage. Yep. Can barely, can barely hang on. Yeah, man. I, I totally, yeah, it's, I, I share sort of the sentiment in terms of like, I'm not exactly sure how to feel about everything that's going on. Uh, like I see the pros and, and the cons too, in a lot of what you said, um, at one point, East Palo Alto was the murder capital of the world. It was. 87? Yeah, I think it was like 87, 88, one of those. Yep. Or like right before the 90s. Um, and, you know, now it's, you know, yeah, like you said, with Facebook and Amazon, um, a lot has changed. I remember, I think it was like a year or two back, I was I was driving and with one of my cousins. And I think it was Edward or Noe. I was like, something seemed off as I'm like, I saw somebody walking down the street and it was, it was a, 
I saw a white person walking their dog. And I'm like, that's something totally new and foreign. Because you didn't, I mean, <laughs> white people in East Palo Alto for the most part. Like very, very, very tiny population of, you know, Caucasians, white people that were living in East Palo Alto. And then I see some, and especially not walking their dogs. Like that wasn't like, you don't really see people, you know, going around walking their dogs leisurely, you know, walking through the hood, whatever. Uh, and so it's definitely, it's definitely changed. And yeah, it's, it's hard to see. It's it's all over the Bay area though. Just, you know, the, the rent prices, the, you know, everything's just gone up an insane amount. It makes it hard for me, um, who loves the Bay area and would love to continue living there to, it makes it hard for me to see a future living in this, in that area, you know? Yeah. I mean, as a young adult, I think it's, it's hard to see what the future has in stock for us because I mean, if you ask yourself and you, or you ask me or you ask any of your family relatives or your close friends that grew up in EPA, the answer is, or the question is, do you want to live in EPA or you want to continue living here? Majority of them say yes, because this area has everything. I mean, yeah, you're about a mile away from one of the most prestigious universities globally yep um google's not too far away you have suburbia in palo alto and mellow park you have just a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. and it's a nice balance but i mean that balance is starting to swing more towards the wealth and the money because i mean there's no there's there isn't a place for hard-working people anymore or honest people that just come here to make a better future for themselves because the rent the how the housing prices unsustainable yeah i was gonna uh the word that came to mind was like blue collar jobs yeah um yeah if you're not working tech it's pretty hard to find something yeah uh, because of the the prices but a fun fact that i did find out recently through my brother is that you know east palo for being it for being a community of uh known as the hood or the poor it's a very well resourced community i mean there's res- there's communities i mean there's projects all within the 2.3 square footage mile of epa that mm-hmm. has like all these after school programs nonprofits food banks an abundance of new uh, ideas coming to life yeah. so east palo alto is really well resource just not i don't think it's getting out to the public as it should be Mm. which is sad yes and uh we've talked about i mean you 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 and i have talked a little bit about the the ravenswood school district and everything that's gone on with that and how it's gone kind of belly up in terms of finances yep Um, and it's hard to crazy yeah and we we can go into that later, or you know, you all can do your own research on it too. Um, but yeah, I mean, even though it's it's had such a bad rap, East Palo Alto for the longest time, you know, we've still got lots of love for it just because you know it's where we grew up. Um, you know, so many great memories, um, and you are doing that as well. Um, you're you're repping it hard. Uh, wherever you to. let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you do in terms of you know th- those side projects and uh, 
you know, your, your running as well. Let's talk about that too, since that's something that's super important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, until a couple of years ago that I was in my second year at community college foothill and I didn't feel like playing soccer anymore. And, you know, just like anyone in their early twenties or late teens, you start to realize that, okay, mom and dad's uh, supply of money is always going to be there. So, um, you find a job and I said, I don't want to just work at a local coffee shop. I want to find a career, even though I don't know what it is that I have a passion for. <laughs> so I kind of leave my school behind and work at Stanford university. And then also realize that I miss being social. I like being, you know, I'm a social guy. I like to kind of go out and drink or party and whatnot. And then it was after that where I was like, okay, my gut's starting to grow. Uh, and I have all this kind of money, but no real purpose in life yet. So yeah. then I, I looked towards my brother who recently signed up for a marathon, completed it, saw the thrills, the, the ecstasy that he got from, from finishing his first marathon. Uh, I said, I'm going to sign up for a marathon too. Like, 26 miles to run 26.2 miles is, I mean, you got to be crazy at first to even think that's even attainable or achievable. Not even at first. You have to be just crazy to do it in general. I like to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so then as soon as my brother finished his first one, he did another one, right? I think a couple months later and shut off close to 20 something minutes. Wow. And then that time I was like, okay, I'm still going to sign up. I'm still going to sign up. And I kept training. I kept hitting the road bumps. I kept, you know, going through these cycles that I was motivated and I was unmotivated. And then it was a couple months later, my brother was like, if you sign up for a marathon, if you put pen to paper and you, and you sacrifice the money, you're going to train harder than you ever think you ever thought you would because Right, you're just training to feel you're ready, and then you're gonna find a marathon four months later, whatnot. That doesn't work. So I signed up, I got into running, trained for a marathon. My older brother dropped out. I ran with my middle brother. We did a seven minute average over 26 miles. And then that's where the itch just went, boom. To running, man. Yeah. That's how it all started. It, it did, because I got a following. I, just you know in soccer everyone kind of every club or team has uses a badge an identity their identity their patch and i wanted something for myself so i asked i reached out to one of my brother's uh, co-workers who does artwork she made my patch i was like she's like what do you want i was like i love epa i'm from epa put use the epa seal and put a runner in it and that's what it is and at a time, I had a mullet. So, in the first and Gen One patch, there's a guy with the mullet with a nice background, uh, and that's how Rogue Runners was started because I, I got a following from it. You know, people yeah. were kind of stoked to see someone from East Paul to pick up running and and be so good at it, or just average, above average, maybe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I do have one of the first gen um, shirts. I don't. I didn't bring it with me, and if I did, I would have been wearing it right now. Um, I have it at home. It's super cool, and uh, you should have been wearing your shirt right now. Why did I, I not to do that? I said, but we're rebranding. We're you know so. And all my shirts are dirty because I actually exercise in them. So <laughs> he doesn't just have them for show; he actually uses them. You're lucky you can't smell me through this camera. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully. Oh man, yeah. So, so why the name? So, Rogue Runners is essentially what you've called. Um, or actually, no, I don't. I'm not even going to say what is Rogue Runners. You mentioned it just now. That's how Rogue Runners was born. But you know what is. Rogue Runners, what is your intention for it? You know, I, you and I have talked about it, but let's hear it. Rogue Runners. So, Rogue, it, it, being from East Palo a lot of people in EPA use the word Rogue as a, a sign of, like, a greeting. What's up, Rogue? It's like saying bro. Hey, bro. How you doing, dude? You know, stuff like that. In, in, <laughs> in, in, in the streets of EPA, it's, what's up, Rogue? Uh, and I don't, you know, the word rogue has a really negative meaning. Uh, you can look it up on your own. I'm not going to, I'm not dictionary.com. I'm not going to. Let me bring up Webster's. Uh, I'll bring up yeah. Webster's as, as you're talking. Uh, and so my older brother and I, Adrian, said we constantly hear that word, you know, while people, while we're running and people are like, keep it up, rogue. Hey, rogue. And it, we flash a little little socket to them, a little EPA for them. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's how it really was born. It was because we were fueled on our runs by the community and they would call us rogue. And it was like, okay, we're going to, it's going to be rogue running from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically what, that's basically how rogue runners initiated. Yeah. And I found the definition of rogue. If you look it up, <laughs> Uh, it is a dishonest or unprincipled man. You are a rogue and an embezzler is the example that they gave. Also, the other one is an elephant or other large wild animal driven away or living apart from a herd. So, <laughs> you know, you all can kind of decide what you think these rogue runners is. It could just be a, a bunch of wild elephants running away. Thank you. I like that one. That's going to be our, our new slogan. Yeah. A new little quote. I was going to say, I mean, for your rebranding, you could just put an elephant on the seal. Hey, (laughs) an elephant is a sign of many things. Yeah, it's a rogue. Yeah, it's a rogue. Um, So that's how it started. And, um, you know, you, I think it's super cool. Like you said, like you and your brother have mentioned it. And I've I've joined you all, not in running, but uh, I've biked while you all have ran because i'm still not there yet i'm not at that point um and it's cool to see you know you all kind of have a little following around east palo alto or you know you have people that are waving to you and they kind of recognize you because you're the guys that run around epa um and most people aren't doing that um so it's, it's really cool to see how, how it's growing and, and your idea for it what are your sort of you know your your rebranding your and your um you have some really cool ideas for it long term yeah go into that yeah yeah uh so i think we're going to start as a local running club yeah local running community uh kind of just hopefully start picking up some some speed with a a, a backing of either 
kids, uh, their parents, just adults, just people that live in EPA that want to run and want to be healthy. Uh, and uh, just like anything, see, I want to, I, I always like to ask the question, what do you feel when running? I mean, yeah, you're, if, if you're picking up running for the first time, you may say, this is the worst thing ever. My legs are hurting. The, the burn is, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. Um, then, yeah, you know, I, I want to change that mindset to, you know, do you feel the runner's high? Do you feel like you could change the world after you surpass your, your limit? You know, can you, can you keep growing just like anything? Mm-hmm. So, um, after that, I was approached to, you know, by someone from the Ravens, our local Ravenswood uh, school district, to see if I would like to uh, incorporate this into their curriculum at Ravenswood Middle School. And uh, that's something long term, but for now, it's just uh, using running as a platform to to empower our our uh, community. Yeah, man, and that change. That's super cool. Um, and I really love the idea. And you always talk, I mean, you always tell me, um, you know, like obviously there are, there are popular sports like um, in the community, like football, basketball, soccer, especially in that, in that in East Polo also, I feel are some of the, the big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, I love that you told me like anybody can pick up running. You, you don't need any equipment. It's free. It's free. It's free. I mean, some nice for- running shoes helps. And uh, you probably Not even that. Not even that. Honestly, not even that. I, one of my favorite movies of all time, not only because I think it's Disney, but it's 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 a it's a great movie. You guys should uh, look into it. It's called McFarland. Yeah, it's the same kind of principle. I mean, it's you know, these kids are working in Central Valley in, in California, playing football. You know, it's in an improvised neighborhood, just like EPA, maybe even worse. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a coach or a person that sees a potential and why are you guys playing the wrong sport or why are you guys doing this sport? And uh, completely changes, you know, not only the runners' minds, but the community's uh, minds to it. Yeah, man, that's cool. Uh, who knows? I mean, I think for me, I think it's a super cool idea and I'll be, I was, once I, I've been working on uh, on the running and building strength in, in my leg again, um, mm-hmm. my, my Achilles, and you know I, I kind of slacked off, but I'm getting better at it. I've been working out a lot the last couple weeks, um, especially. What? Yeah, just, I mean, that's just like what I, you know, what you're going through with your uh, Achilles rehab. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I tackle my training and my running, and what I want rogue runners to kind of instill into its future runners. Is that, you know, kind of keeping finding a goal, and uh, you know, what is it that you want to do? You know, do you want to just stay healthy? Do you want to do you want to race? Do you want to compete? You know, there's so many avenues that running can open up for you, whether yeah. it's uh, academics, uh, career, or just finding ways how to tackle new life problems. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you feel that running has? I mean. N- helped you not only physically but you know in terms of you know how you like you kind of touched on it like how you view things um has it helped you you know mentally as well um what have been some of the benefits you've seen from running in your life uh benefits running it it, it's allowed me to uh, 
to have a growth mindset opposed to a fixed one. Yeah. You know, in a fixed mindset, if someone tells you, hey, you can't run a six, 10 minute mile pace average for 26 miles because, you know, that's fixed in their opinions and that's fixed in you now, you're never going to try to train for that. Opposed to having a growth mindset, you're going to do whatever it is you have to do, whether it's sacrifice, uh, look into your regimen, uh, really see what you have to do to achieve that goal. Yeah. And then uh, get towards it, you know, work towards it. But like, I, you know, a phrase that I like is keep your head up, keep your heart strong. Um, I don't know why, how that resembles with this. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> I like it. It's a good one. But, uh, you know, running it just makes you, it just broadens up so many things for you, you know. So, but going back, sorry, I got a little off topic. Uh, I want to, can you ask the question again? Sorry. Well, I was just asking how running has affected you in your life in terms of, you know, either like personally it's helped you, you've kind of touched on it, or, you know, mentally. I mean, besides the physical stuff, how has it helped you? Yeah, just it, it's allowed me to have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, it allows me to not, not even when running, I feel like if I can set a training for my runs, yeah. if I move that over to my life, you know, it, it, it kind of gives, it allows me, it has taught me that I can make an agenda for my life and my plans, yeah. future plans. And, and that's important to me because that's something I want to pass on to other people is that if you're training for a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon and you want to reach X amount of time, you're going to need to do X amount of steps. Yeah. Now, if you move that over to your life, if you want to have a house by 25 and you um, want to be married by a certain age, you're going to need to do certain things. You can't just say, well, I'm at 25. I'm ready to get married. Who's the first person that wants to get married? Like, no. If you want to have a successful. You, who, you, 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 yeah. any, any takers? We'll play spin the bottle or something. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's, it's allowed me to articulate a plan. And, and kind of move forward with it and have structure. There's there's the word is structure. Yeah, totally. I think Provide structure to me. Yeah, and it's I, for me. I know, and I've been trying to you know build up better habits. But you know, having a structure to your day and and building up those good habits help you a lot in the long run. Yeah. Um, so I can definitely see that you know with exercising or running, you know how that's that really you know, builds you up and makes you a better person in the long run. Mm -hmm. How, so give me the lowdown on uh, training for a marathon, because you kind of talked about how you got the ups and downs of training. And I know, you know, you, I mean, you, you're currently in the middle of training. Um, not anymore. I don't no, think so Not anymore, anymore because of, thanks COVID. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. They just shut down New York yesterday. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm way I'm anticipating they're going to shut down Chicago and yeah. that's in October. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, I saw you at the Sacramento marathon, which is super cool to see you cross the finish line and do that. Um, let's talk a little bit about what goes into um, training for a marathon because you talked about in the feeling unmotivated and the hard stuff. I know you've had some injuries too, like dealing with the, you know, some, getting a little beat up um during yeah, the yeah. so let's talk about that and how you you know even through that tough stuff how you've gotten through it it's just you know 
in, in my opinion, those are two very different things. Uh, it's almost two different complete answers because, you know, when you're training without a purpose or you're training in a marathon and you get injured uh, or you're just training in general to be better, it's uh, it's hard to – it's kind of hard to put those things together. But mm-hmm. what I put into a training plan, for example, I've only run two marathons. Uh, my first marathon, I trained about three months. Uh, fortunately, I've always kind of kept my shape as far as my cardiovascular, my endurance system, my VO2 max. Uh, so when I trained for my first marathon, I had no structure. I just knew that I had to work on a couple long runs to build a strength, uh, going surpassing like the 15 mile mark. And then uh, my second marathon uh, training regimen, I really focused on speed and I focused on long runs and I focused on sustaining uh, a low heart rate. But even then, I think you're asking the wrong person because in either of my races, I've never felt satisfied. I've, I've always felt like there could have been more, whether it's personal reasons, whether it's reasons that will never make sense to the general public. My first, you know, both marathons, I was fortunate, I think, because I'm that selfless person or individual. Uh, I like to say is my first marathon, I ran it with my brother. He didn't train for more than a month and a half, and he was still able to knock out a three-hour marathon, which is about a seven-minute mile average, which is kudos to him. But, you know, I busted my chops for three months. Yeah. And felt like I could have gone under three. And for those who don't know, going under three, your first marathon, or in general, means you qualify for the most prestigious marathon, which is the Boston Marathon. Um, not only because it's the oldest marathon, oldest running marathon, but it's after the bombings back in 2013, everyone uh, uses that marathon as a symbol of like patronism uh, in the U.S. or just it's just like the me- the mecca of marathons. Yeah, um, I missed that by three minutes, uh, so I was kind of bummed, and I realized that I had to wait a whole another year to to kind of qualify for Boston. And then my second marathon, at the California International Marathon in uh, Sacramento, I ran it with my older brother. He was coming off a big PR uh, of two forty five, so he shut off six minutes off his personal best. And my goal going into that race was just going under three. Going going three, qualifying for Boston would have been great. My training did not match that because I was outputting way more. I was running about 60 miles a week, 50, 58, 55 average, which is normal for a sub three attempt. And, uh, when I crossed the finish line, I felt like I just could have given it more. I mean, I, I, I crossed the line at 241, which is a 610 minute average, which is something I, to this day, really proud of. Yeah. But as soon as I crossed the, as soon as I crossed the finish line, I was like, is that it? That, that can't be it. Cause I, there's still so much more in the gas tank. And there was a, a good friend of mine. She, she owns a zombie runner in Palo Alto, greatest coffee out there, by the way, in, in the Bay Area to me. <laughs> um, she said, 
if there's still gas in your tank after a marathon or after a race, you know, you left a lot out there and that's never a good feeling. And I was like, mm, well, I guess there's a lot more for me to, to do in the sport of running. Um, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to because, you know, just like the greatest marathoner, Elliot Kipchoge said, no human is limited. And I don't think I've kind of scratched my limit of what I can do with running. Yeah, I man. don't know if that answers your question a little bit. It does. It does. What What is your, do you have like a, like a goal that you're setting for yourself? Uh, let's say next run. You know, once, you know, we figure out, once things kind of settle down and you figure out um, the next run that you're doing, next marathon, what would be your, your goal for, for that marathon? I told myself, it's a competitive sport, I think, especially in the world of social media. So there's a couple followers that I follow, and they're in the mid-235s or mm-hmm. mid-230s. Mid, mid, uh, so that equates to about shaving about 10 seconds to 15 seconds off uh, my marathon time to kind of be in the ballpark with them. But I feel like that isn't enough. I, I, I would like to run a low two, 230, high 220 marathon. So that's about, I'm looking to run around a 530 or 545 average pace. Your boy's ambitious. <laughs> I feel like I got it in me. I feel like, uh, you know, I think one of my biggest motivators is my father. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, don't look to Kipchoge as a role model. Look to him as a competitor. So instead of thinking that you want to be like him, why not train and race against him one day or uh, train and race against the elite because you have it all in your arsenal to be that. It's just discipline and and um, motivation that you just need to really lock into. And after that, I was like, "Yeah, you're right." I mean, I do. I I I know if I train hard enough, I if I sacrifice enough, and if I really dial in, I can be a, I can a, a achieve to qualify for the Olympics. You know, there's those Olympic standard times that one has to reach, or just to be in contention for yeah uh, i don't think i'll run the olympics but I, I it would be cool to run it in an olympic uh marathon qualifier hey man let's make it happen i will be biking by your side to be train i won't be running with you but i'll bike right next to you if you want as long as you can bike 12 miles an hour we're good oh that, that might be tough uh <laughs> <a> tricycle <laughs> <laughs> seems easy but it's 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 not it's not. <laughs> I remember one time Marcos was like, "Yeah, let's go. Uh, I'm gonna go on a casual like jog near my house." I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll join you if you let me borrow your bike." He's like, "Yeah, for sure." I could hardly keep up with him on the bike. <laughs> I had a harder. T- <laughs> it was so tough. My leg was super tired. I also like wasn't keeping up with my, you know, with exercising during that time either. So that was brutal. But you know, I'm out of breath. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> like a fish yeah. out of water that's awesome yeah, yeah. man I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean I think it's super important to have goals like that um, you have the your, you have your you know your the small stepping stone goals and then you also have your your long term goals and it's good to have both um, 
So all this kind of, yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I mean, all this kind of inter just intertwines with running and how you can use running in your personal life or motivate or kind of build build structure in your personal life because just like anything you need building blocks you need you need to find uh objectives or goals or sub goals to kind of say to get here i need i need to go through these steps and uh and that's just like running you know everyone thinks because i run every day i'm not running my when i run every day i'm not running to kill myself every day i'm i'm running to build strength long term to build uh, endurance in my muscles you know that's something that is built over time and not you know a short period of time yeah totally. it's, a, it's a marathon not a sprint oh i see what you did there <laughs> let's talk about you always use these hashtags that i love uh or you also have it on I know Adrian has it. Your older brother has it on his uh his shirt when he runs. No dolor, no sabor. Uh, <laughs> it, it, the direct translation doesn't make sense. It's uh no taste, no reward, and what we Adrian learned it in Spanish. Or I don't know where my brother picks up half of those crazy ideas, but it's supposed to be no pain, no gain. Yeah. Uh, no dolor, no sabor, because without pain, you're not gonna taste the glory. Um. And it was kind of neat when we were running in Sacramento in Sim. People would kind of read the back of our shirts, our singlets, and say, "Hey, what does that mean?" And we kind of tell them, "No pain, no gain." You know, you're not gonna. If there's no pain, you're not gonna get to your your reward, which is crossing that finish line. Mm -hmm. uh, so, there's there's one of them. My other favorite hashtag is <laughs> marathoners like trap music. They love trap music. Yara. Uh trap music. I kind I kind of stole that copyrighted infringement sure a little bit from uh Two Chains's uh <laughs> album a couple years ago. I think his album was called Pretty Girls Like Trap Music and I was like marathoners like trap music cuz I follow <laughs> a lot of runners and they're always bumping like the new Migos, the new ASAP Ferg just or like the dirtiest of hip hop rap and I'm like <laughs> Dude, this is fueling. Like, of course, you know. So, that's kind of where the marathoners like trap music was born. That's where it's well, bro. Yep. Um, let's go through sort of the. You know, I've never run a marathon. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how many people watching or listening have run a marathon. What are some of the feelings you get um, through a marathon? Because I feel. I mean, it being 26.2 miles, there's probably a lot of things that go through your head. There's probably a lot. feelings you're feeling um, throughout. Lot. It's more like an, an emotional and physical roller coaster is how I would like to think of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> tell me, um, you know, at least for you, the, the sorts of feelings and things that go through your mind and, and your body as you're running through it. Oh, man. First off, I mean, you get runners high. I mean, when you get runners high... You, you kind of feel like you can do anything. What was that? And then 1,000. Welcome to the hood. See? Oh, why, why go to Disneyland when you can just <laughs> sit on your front lawn and casually feel like you're in Chirac or like Iraq oh, or something? Dude, they, anyway. they've been going off the last couple of weeks. Like every <laughs> night, there's somebody else doing fireworks or something. But yeah. <laughs> keep uh, going. <laughs> I, you know, 
runner's high is the best thing to describe a little bit of what you'll experience in a marathon is, you know, you kind of get this sensation of euphoria that you can kind of do anything that you, that you, that you, that you, that you put your mind to. Yeah. Uh, I've personally never have dabbled with marijuana or that stuff. So I don't know what it means to be high, high, but runner's mm-hmm. high is, uh, it's just euphoria. I mean, you, you feel like you're on top of the world. You can do anything that you set your mind to. And, uh, it's just all these positive, good vibes. And then, you know, once the kind of pain kicks in and the struggle, then you, there's some kind of doubt that creeps in. It's like, wow, can I just stop? Should I stop? Uh, my muscle hurts. Um, fear will, will kind of creep in and uh, you know, whatever whatever it is that you're f- kind of feeling uh, in your mind mentally will, will start to take over, but it's, it's learning how to control your mind mm-hmm. and know that it's temporary, that it's, you know, it's going to pass that you have to learn how to rule your mind or else your mind will rule, will rule you is how I like to think about it. You have to you have to dominate yourself, and so, I mean, the emotions in a marathon they're endless. I mean, talk about my best friend, Gaucho. That's the dog that bit me. <laughs> he's a vicious liberal one. He is. He's a he's a sweetheart. Anyways, okay, go go go. Okay. Um, there's still there's there's. I, I feel like I could almost write a book on the emotions that one will experience through a marathon. Maybe you should. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But for the most part, it's it's just about hitting the highs and lows. And yeah. Just like life. And that's, that's why I love running now. It's, you know, there's good times that will roll and then there's bad times and it's showing, teaching yourself or learning how to get out of those those dark times, whether it's with help and in running, what I use as help is, I look at I look at the people next to me, you know. For example, it would have been my brothers. It's the it's the group of people that you kind of see that you set your pace with around. You know, running a race, you see, you start to become familiar with who's around you and who's not. Um, after mile ten, you you really start to adjust, or you start to see like, okay, this is the kind of group I'm going to be running the marathon with. Uh, and you gotta just think about it, like they're struggling just as much as you are. You know, they're running the same race, they're running the same pace. They gotta be hurting too, or else they'd either be behind you or they'd be far out in front of you. You know, so it's kind of just using the people, your surroundings, and applying that. You're gonna look to them to help. To keep you in it mentally, emotionally, yeah, and uh, and then go back to that high. But yeah, emotions in the marathon, endless. I mean, it's yeah. just like a little heartbeat. It it definitely does seem like, you know, it, there's definitely the the physical aspect of it, which yeah. you know you have to train a lot for it. But there's definitely the mental training as well to be able to deal with those highs and lows. Um, and it's definitely a great sort of analogy for life. 
I think analogy is, is the right word to use for it or met, no metaphor. Um, yeah. Um, like a quote, I, I don't know who, I'm, I love quotes, especially in running, but I think one of the quotes that can attest to this is become comfortable being uncomfortable is one that mm-hmm. I find really important because in a marathon, you're going to be uncomfortable. I mean, I, I've never found anyone to run a marathon to be like, yeah, I'm cruisingly casually <laughs> in, in a race. Yeah. Going to never feel any, inc- you know, discomfort or you're going to be plateaued throughout the entire race. Like, no, that's not what a race is about, at least in a marathon. Like, if that's how it is, then you, you, you probably end up like me because in the both of my marathon races, I feel like I've left too much out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not a good feeling. But, yeah. you know, I struggled through them, but it's the end that I still have not found that, like, that last bit of will to collapse, to really feel like, did I hit my limit? Did I surpass my limit? Yeah, that you gave, you literally gave everything in the tank. Yeah. Uh, put it all out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, man. Well, I know... Hopefully, you know, once that next one comes, you'll be able to do it, and then we we can we can talk about it, and then you know maybe you'll give up marathon running because you hate it. <laughs> no, I I've actually no, I'm joking. I told my dad that if Chicago is canceled, I'm going to go to Mexico early before Oscar's wedding. Our family friend, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listening in. I'm going to run from our hometown in Mexico to another town, which is called Talpa, which is really, it's a sacred place. Uh, it's about 70 miles away. I'm either going to bike, road bike up half, about more than 50% of the way, which yeah. is about 50 miles away, bike 50 miles, and then run 26 miles uphill uh, to the new town, to the other town. Uh-huh. So. I'm 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 setting my sporting goals pretty high still, whether there's a competition or not. Yeah, and that's good. And I mean, you're gonna hop on the training pretty soon too. I'm sure. I'm still training, yeah, but I'm gonna start training more. Training, training. Ladies and gentlemen, I drink a lot of beer. Yes, and I eat a lot of sweets. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> no gut, no glory. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's another thing that's gonna go on your shirts, right? For on the next batch, no gut, no glory. No gut, no glory. <laughs> well, Marcos, I'm sure you know. I'm looking forward to hopefully going and seeing you at your next race. It was super fun to, to be able to experience that with you and your fam. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you like for you know the people listening and watching to get out of our our talk today? You know, if, if there's like a message or, you know, something that you touched on that you really want to, you know, people to, to take out from this. I, you know, I just want to, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a message right away, but I, I do would like to bring running or have running be more part of our community because you know, to to run, you have to be resilient, and I think that's what East Palo Alto is for the most part. You know, it's it's a it's a very resilient community, 
it, it, it's gone through the murder capital. It's gone through real, you know, when the economy kind of took a down hit in 2009, it took a toll. Uh, and then now with Facebook and all these kind of tech companies kind of coming in and gentrifying a lot of uh, the real uh, or to the community out. It, I, I want our community to kind of be resilient and, and know that there is a, a resource out there for them uh, or add on another resource, you know, from the ones that are already available. Yeah. But, you know, running's free and running can help you in your current life or, or planning a future life, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just by using steps, building a plan uh, and having structure and knowing that there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, I just, I want, I wish, I wish to teach people that running can have a real, real good positive effect on, on one's life in the long run. Yeah, totally. Marcos, how can we, you know, me and uh, the people listening best support you? Support, buy some merch, you know, buy some uh, merch. So, you know, whether you're from East Palos or not, you know, rug runners, I wish one day it, I want it to be a running. I want it to be a running group or team that just supports its its peers, its its members to better themselves always. Because you know, if you don't put in the work, you won't find the glory, um, or you can't expect results. Yeah. So, uh, where can I, we find this merch? Throw, put this it in merch, front, bro. This merch will be readily available as soon as I launch our website, uh, Rogue Runners. And that is something that uh, I expect in the near future, within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, hopefully by the time, well, probably by the time this comes out, it will it will be done. Um, okay. So how about, um, let's throw out some socials, uh, your social media and the Rogue Runners one. My social media is private, but I will follow you if you send me a message. It's uh, Mamraw95. Um, and then our social media that is also going up because I don't have the handle to the account yet. Uh, that is Run Rogue Runners. And I plan to uh, sell merch off of that and then encourage people to run in their Rogue Runner shirts so I can repost their stories. And if, you know, if you feel that the shirt has empowered you to sign up for a race and, uh, and do these kind of runs, whether it's health or just you know new challenges that you kind of set out for and you shout us out we'll post you on our story and uh you'll be in contention for a free elite merch that i saw oh baby i'm gonna be posting all the time yeah yeah <laughs> i i want people to i want to use our social media as a place where people can kind of feel like they're rewarded for what they're doing you know with, in, with running yeah Hold up. That is me. My bad. Um, no, no. Yeah, man. Um, what was I going to say? I think people want to be acknowledged. And I think it's oh, nice totally. when people are acknowledged and, and, and their peers or the community or their followers will see that, like, wow, like, I feel, I feel this type of way right now. Um, I, I, I want to share it. I want to share it out. Yeah, and totally like you. 
I know you said earlier too, you want to make it into a running group. And if anybody is in the Bay Area or near East Palo Alto, Menlo Park, Palo Alto area, um, I know that you, Marcos, and you know your brother Adrian and whoever else is, you know, you'll be planning on doing lots of runs um, throughout in, throughout you know the just the general Bay Area. So if anybody wants to join as well, uh, where would be the best place to find that? And when you're doing those runs. It, that'll be also readily available on our website. Uh, we'll do. Perfect. We're gonna do uh, weekend runs, whether it's in the afternoon or in the in the, after, uh, in the morning. Uh, we plan on getting uh, involved in some sponsors, whether it's with our local coffee shop, Zombie Runner, uh, some breweries that want to kind of contribute to the cause and push new merchandise for for them, new product for them. Sorry, um, because like all runners, we like our sweets and we like our coffee, our caffeine. And we like our carbs and we like our, our beer and our alcohol. So. <laughs> well, man, I could be a great runner then. We'll knock down a couple beers after my man. Oh yeah, for sure. Once I'm done. And everybody ready. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for this. And, you know, I think that it's a great opportunity for anybody who, you know, has been considering running or does run to, to create a, a community that, you know, is revolved around that. So I'm super excited for this to to grow and take off. And um, hopefully we'll we'll catch up with you in the future as well. And we can see how much, see the progress of it too. Yes, sir. Well, Marcos, I appreciate um, you joining me today. Uh, I will see you in a couple of weeks once I'm home. And uh, yes, I'm, sir. We'll, be, we'll be hanging out in some shape or form. Um, probably with yeah, some yeah. bees or some other type of al alcoholic beverage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Usual. definitely. I don't do claws, but I do IPAs. All right, all right. So not. <laughs> all right, man, I appreciate it. I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right, man, take care. All right, see Salute. you soon. Salute.